Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. This show is brought to you by Flatirons Tuning, your source for any aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts. Be sure to check out our store at flatironstuning.com and stay tuned with Flatirons Tuning. Welcome back, everybody, to the Flatirons Podcast. This is number, episode number 111, I believe. We've got Tosman in the shop, DP's in the shop. Tosman, you were in here the other day. And one of the things we talked about, and I think it's worth at least starting off this conversation or this episode with it, is to talk about synthetic fuel. And, and the inspiration for me to ask you about it back then was when we made the, you know, had the episode where we're talking about how Subaru's now announced that it's moving to an electric platform much more aggressively and just you know kind of what that looked like, what that meant. There's a lot of people that, well, some people were excited about that. Some people were curious. Some people were not so enamored with it. It's kind of looking around the the internets, as it were, at that same time, there's there's more and more conversations starting to percolate up about synthetic fuel. And I figured there's not a ton of conversation about it yet, but it would be worth a discussion maybe as a, as a counterpoint. Sure. And, and what we're talking about here with synthetic fuel, it literally amounts to is, is taking, like basically recapturing carbon from the atmosphere, from, from the air, using electrolysis to capture hydrogen from water, and then combining the hydrogen and the carbon together to make your own hydrocarbon string, and literally literally making gasoline from air, as it yeah, were. Yeah, I think that part's important to clarify here. Yeah. Because even before I looked into it, for this podcast, essentially, I wasn't clear even, because I had heard synthetic fuel before, but there was a yeah. lot of synthetic fuels. Right. So, specifically the buzz right now is synthet- uh, synthetic gasoline. Yeah. Right? A synthetic petroleum. Right. Um, which is new to me, right? I mean, it's yeah. I hadn't really heard about it or, or looked into it really in, until this. Because um, there are a lot of synthetic fuels, right? Right. And I'm going to make this point over and over. Ethanol is still the way of the future. This is the way. It's the Lord's fuel. <laughs> well, um, yeah. This is a new thing. It's exciting. And at first glance, I agree it looked like the what the hell solution what are we still worried about kind of kind of thing right well so the problem with it and i guess the the first thing that i would say as far as like the the validity of this is this is this is what porsche is working on and formula one is working on moving to so formula one says that they want to be carbon neutral starting in 2026 and the whole way that you can be carbon neutral and like there's 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 layers to this there's complexities to this certainly but the way that they're doing this is through synthetic fuel so the cars are still going to run on internal combustion engines and the hybrid power plants but the fuel that's going into the tanks of the cars is going to be this fuel that's like basically pulled from you know the carbon from the atmosphere put into the car so that it's a net zero carbon yeah release. as long as you find the power source in order to synthesize this fuel Through in a green renewable. fashion, yeah. then, in theory, the burning of this fuel just re-releases the same right. carbon that you captured to make the fuel. Yeah. So is it balanced? Sure. Right. I don't think that's probably Formula One's biggest hurdle to tackle. Um, there, there's a lot. Can... I mean, Formula One, there, there's a company that Patty Lowe, who was like the technical director for Mercedes for a long time, he started... He's the one that basically put everything together to make it possible for them to make this. And then Porsche has been doing a lot of research uh, to to make synthetic fuel in, uh, I think, the same or similar fashion. And I think Porsche's direction, um, 
or motivation for doing it is in, is in part to make their racing give their give the racing their chance to be a little bit more carbon neutral, but also they're thinking forward to the point in Europe where internal combustion engines are going to be banned um, or limited, significantly limited. And so I think I think in long term they're thinking or they're looking for a way to let their customer base, their enthusiast base, still have a way to use their cars when you know carbon uh, or internal combustion engines aren't allowed. Yeah. So at some point it won't just be new old stock parts. It'll also be new old stock fuel. Yeah. Right to maintain right, the car. Right, right, So, so there, and all of that is to say that, like, as crazy as this might sound, like, there's some really, there's some really big powers that be that are that are working in this direction, and then, like, if you can get past, it, it, once you accept that, like, hey, this is possible, it is something that can be done. It exists right now. It exists. Right. It's it's right now. So it exists. It's just really expensive. Mm-hmm. So we're talking something like a hundred dollars a liter. No, it or, or maybe it's thirty dollars a liter. I thought it was hundred, maybe hundred dollars a gallon. The information I saw said about ten dollars a liter. Okay. Which oh. is thirty what thirty some thirty eight dollars a gallon or something like that. Okay. Um, but it's thirty dollars a gallon. Let, let's even say that. I mean, so it's possible, it's doable right now, but that's pretty expensive. Yes. Yeah, that's outrageous. I mean, that is that going to just end up driving if that does have that trickle down effect that we would all hope it would to you know, eventually maybe being something that's accessible for. You know, not just the you know, top tier racers, but something that you could get to put into your regular IC engine. Right. At you know, at like our level. Right. Well, and that's that's where I, I that's what my motivation was to have a conversation about it because, you know, Formula One is basically motorsports with where money almost is is unlimited, even though they have budgets. I mean, come on. Budgets. But like, the, there's, it, it's not really it's not attainable for most people. But just the fact that it exists, you know, once you know that it's possible, like knowing that it's possible, it becomes, if you just think about how it could be applied or how it could be used, if you can make it more affordable, then that's where something like that becomes interesting. And maybe it becomes more worth having a discussion or, or, or thinking about than, than it might seem at the outset. Again, just because of how yeah. borderline crazy it sounds as far as what it would take to make. I'm intrigued and curious about, like, you know, right now with our catalysts that are required in, you know, in cars with a system like that where you're re- <laughs> recuperating these hydrocarbons that we're effectively burning off in platinum, palladium, and rhodium. Is that going to make that obsolete, or is there going to be some new catalyst requirement that's going to be coming down the road if we are to, in the future, recapture our hydrocarbons that we are blowing up? Well, more than, more than anything, I think, just if they're, if they're figuring out the science and they're figuring out the process... Then I mean, it, there's a lot of probably bespoke technology that goes into making it work right now, which is why why it's so expensive. But it's just there, there's not really a lot of investment in the technology, and so that's where like all the, these small companies are having to foot the bill themselves. So that's where the cost is really really high, and probably the ability to actually um, uh, like make it more available to the mass market becomes next next to zero. Um, and it, to a certain extent, I guess back to your point, Tasso, this is kind of in some ways the ethanol problem. So ethanol, like yes, it is, it is, you know, the Lord's fuel. It is the best solution probably out there for a lot, a lot of applications. <laughs> the problem is how do you make it? They, they were the, the making it in an efficient way that wasn't as dependent on like a, a plant, a crop to to harvest and then convert into ethanol. Ultimately, that's 
they were they were trying to find that, but they never they were never really able to find that on scale, and so that's where ethanol kind of hit its stumbling blocks. Mm-hmm. So, but but they were there was there was a point where there was a lot of research dollars being spent on it, but they just never quite got it to where it was it was viable on scale, and then basically they, they moved in different directions. And energy density too, I think. Right. People. Why would I put this other fuel in my car if it makes the mileage go down? It was right. the pushback from any GM vehicle, flex fuel, you know, vehicle owner. Yeah. Right? All of these topics come with so many moving parts that it's almost impossible to talk about any one of them because all of these things exist in the same spider web, and they're all pulling on each other, right? Whether it's ethanol, synthetic fuels, uh, capitalism. Um, yeah. You know the the cor- yeah, cor- corporate government America and stuff like that. And politics plays a part in too, which is which is right. tricky. Um, so, does a synthetic petroleum solve any problems that electric cars have? It does not. Not really, right? The biggest well, the biggest one is ability to store energy, right? Well, and the fact that the the vehicles that could use it are already there. And, sure. and right. the the infrastructure is yeah. already in place to to get the fuel where it needs to be and to distribute the fuel. Yeah, you could ship synthetic fuels by fossil fuel networks, well, or right. because in theory, if they could figure out a way to do it, because all you need access to is basically the atmosphere and water, <laughs> you can actually have a lot of like I don't know what you would even call these things distilleries. Sure, or something right. like that. Yeah. Carbon capture plants. Carbon, or something? carbon capture right. plants. But that you would, know, that would be even, creating it like even and something. Yeah. Just the the fact that you said it kind of keep my brain in on it here. Uh, access to water too, right? Yeah. Um, you have things like Southern California, which have leached the world around it dry just to exist. Right. right? Um. So, maybe I mean people talk about the water wars are coming. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> is that is it an answer to that? Um. Yeah. I don't know. It's a I don't want to sound either like I'm dooming a new fuel, which I think is pretty exciting. Um, well, and, you know, and, and or yeah. just a, a general doomsayer about the environment, because like those two things again, like the rest of this, can't be summed up that simply. The whole thing has to exist on a dynamic scale. Well, my thought is it's not one of the the difficult situation that we're putting ourselves in is trying to find one solution, one solution only. It's it's the fact that we have we there. In terms of just transportation, there, there's there's a, a there's one solution in place now for the majority of us, which is you know cars and an internal combustion engine, and like there but there are some downsides to it, which they're trying to curb by moving us to electric cars, mm-hmm. and so there there's you know there's a whole discussion out there about that, but the problem is getting basically like. Geez, I mean, the majority of the globe to make this big paradigm shift in the way that they're thinking about and using transportation and moving from one very well established method into a new method that requires that, like, one has nothing to do with the other, basically. So, if you can look at something like instead of the one solution, look at it as a, a possible multi path or multiple paths to the same solution. Which is, well, what if we put some of those research dollars that have been spent on batteries into this synthetic fuel? Can we do it more efficiently? 
can we get it down to $5 a liter? Can we get it down sure. to $2 a liter? So that, you know, if you have an internal combustion engine and you still want to drive it, need to drive it, what have you, there's a more carbon neutral way to do it. Or, you know, ethanol is still around. Ethanol might be still viable for people too. So if you have internal combustion engines and you have two, maybe even three choices of fueling methods, you know, traditional gasoline, synthetic gasoline, and then ethanol, <laughs> then that makes it like at least more viable. And then that puts less stress on this move to electric, which is, which is by all accounts, like to try and in a handful of years make you know, the majority of the globe switch to that new platform, it puts a, a lot of stress and strain on, on manufacturing and the raw materials just to even make that physically possible. Sure. It took 140 years to get to where we are right now with our fossil fuel distribution yeah. network, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I think we're actually moving pretty fast with the electric vehicle one, probably by comparison. And, right? and some might yeah. say too fast. Well, sure. I mean, well, that's 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 the difficulty. I mean, you know, it's uh, I don't know, like just the raw materials to make the batteries and stuff. I mean, that's that's a that's a real sticking point, a stretching point, mm-hmm. and yeah. it just all has to get made. I mean, that's it doesn't exist. It. Like, especially with your raw materials that you you know you're mining for the batteries, what is pulling those out is you know diesel right. construction equipment of massive scale. Right, which is running in gallons per minute. A lot of it's yeah. diesel electric. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's, it's like so. you're kind of already doing the thing. You know, I've seen many like hybrid loaders and things, and you know, like large mining equipment that are in that hybrid platform that are still you know, people will you know drill that down to oh well you're mining your electric battery with my diesel fuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that's been pretty summarily debunked at this point, right? Like it's mm-hmm. even if you're using fossil fuels to create electricity the electric car is still more efficient per fossil fuel unit than an internal combustion one is. And I think anyone that kind of, at this point, it, the largely political arguments against electric fuels, and that's fine. You know, you, you can have your opinions about one way or the other. Uh, no one's going to tell you you can't. But take synthetic fuels, you're going through those same processes and then just adding another process on top because you want your car to run on the thing it did before. Right. Well, and and it's the uh, the energy effective energy density goes away, or or gets in going to electric, or in, in the, the synthetic storage. fuel. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. it's because like how much energy it takes a lot of energy to put in to get this liquid out. That now yes, this liquid has a very high energy density. Right. But you put tons of energy in, and it's in. You know how efficient is that process? You know, even if it's less like efficient. it's right. less efficient, like forty, fifty percent. Yeah, and that's why it's so expensive at this point, right? Right. They, and people also have opinions politically about why gas is so expensive, but it's right. gas is largely a supply and demand thing, right? And yeah. then there's processing on top of that. Um, you know, refining, and then there's a little sliver of taxes that everyone's yeah. got to get theirs off the top, right? Um, it costs a lot to make synthetic fuels. It costs a lot to make fossil fuels into yeah. fuels too right yeah. it's just yeah. we're used to that cost at this point because well, and, and it has you have to have this massive infrastructure but the infrastructure already exists yeah so we're, we're not paying off the the loans on right a brand new way to ship fossil fuels around right. now like the pipes are there right, right. so right um well and, and see my thought is we're we're part of i think the biggest part of this that's really creating people to have to form a really, for lack of a better term, like a severe or really entrenched opinion about it, 
is you have to make a choice. Am I going to stick with the old school or am I going to move to the new school? And then like wh whichever end of that decision you land on, then, then your people are generally speaking like once they have the, their think about it and then they land on either side of that fence, then they're pretty well entrenched on that side of the fence. Mm -hmm. But it's because we're, we're forcing people to make a really pretty dramatic choice. Mm -hmm. Whereas like if we could look at something like, you know, figuring out ethanol again, or if the synthetic fuel long term has a better chance of being something that could be more efficiently produced than even ethanol, like if you really put in the R&D dollars to it. You know, so that you could really make this, and it would so it'd still be internal combustion, but it's carbon neutral instead of something that's being refined from you know crude oil. It makes it so that you don't have to land really hard on either side of that fence. You can kind of, I don't know, you can sit on the fence more. I guess it could be I'm like right. a hybrid on it, where you're you know on one yeah. side and the other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, I'll still drive my car, but if I if I had to pay a little bit more for the fuel in the car to be a carbon neutral, I'll do that because it's the same car, but now the, the carbon that's coming out of the tailpipe was captured from the atmosphere to make the fuel to go into the engine to come out of the tailpipe again. You know, something like, it basically giving people a, another path to it. Or just rip the Band-Aid off and go get an electric car. Well, and then, and that's where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to pretend like I have this solution or that I like the electric electrification of the world or whatever, yeah. but I think that the main arguments for synthetic fuels are hanging on to our hobby. Well, but I mean, the other part of it, it, and kind of like what we talked about, one of the recent episodes is just how expensive cars have gotten. Yeah, I, I mean, everything. It's, so it's like, you know, if, if a car, if I could go out right now and buy an electric car that would be fun to drive, and it would cost about what a car cost, you know, the average purchase price of a car, like say, even three or four years ago, I think I would be more willing to do it, and a lot of people would be more willing to do it. If you were looking at something in like the twenty-five to thirty-five thousand dollars price point versus like fifty to sixty as the starting point. Yeah. And and they're coming. They're starting to come down a bit, but. Yeah. I mean, the tricky thing is so many of these prices too, not just for electric vehicles, which were heavily subsidized depending on where you work or not where you work, where you live. Right. Um, yeah. Colorado for a long time had really really deep. Um, incentives incentives for like those people are getting a nissan leaves for a few thousand dollars um, right. which is just wild um but also look at the other side of that same coin the fact that ethanol has gotten so much more expensive in the last two or three years because, because subsidies, subsidies have stopped going to corn farmers yeah so you know ethanol is now almost the same price as our price gouged gasoline um because yeah. you know they realized that they could just not make as much and make more money on it. There, there's so much political action behind the scenes that that lend kind of a false impression, depending on who the lobbyists are lobbying for, um, of what yeah. the future ought to be and stuff. Right. My po my point about synthetic fuels being just a way to preserve our hobby is not so much a yeah just yeah duh statement, but that's probably not a large enough driver for that money to go into that technology yeah. right if you phrase it as this will save you money because you won't have to refit your entire fleet of cargo ships and mm -hmm, trucks mm -hmm. and you can just run the same fuel in it then maybe you have an argument that would drive enough dollars into this to even find out if we could make it for the same price because that has billions to trillions of dollars of effect versus yeah. our, our plucky little car industry here right that's a good point of automotive enthusiasts right we right. don't have the power right shipping and transport i mean that politics. might actually be right exactly yeah 
Um, and that you know comes back around then to Formula One's whole thing. Well, and that's actually where they're having the difficulty because like if you're going to use like trucks to transport goods, and they're trying to come up with these electric semi trucks, mm. but then you're having this big load that the truck is having to carry, and that's what we're now discovering that you know, electric mm. motors have tons of torque and they can pull it very easily. But the energy consumption goes up to the right. point where now the range becomes an issue. And I don't know what Formula One's actual behind-the-scenes work on this is. I'm assuming it's largely a political statement that they're making. Yeah. We're going to use synthetic fuels in the race cars and then go fill up with Jet A for the DHL planes that fly our entire circus to the next country every week yeah. kind of thing, yeah. right? Well, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but it's, it's their struggle to stay relevant. Sure, yeah. I mean, right. you have Formula E which is the all-electric formula series. It's boring. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> well, they finally got to the point, I think they're, the Gen 3 cars are going to be better than the Gen 2s. Sure, it's fine. It's better than watching golf or Well, but like for, right? for range, yeah. the Gen 1, you, yeah. they had a, each car driver had to have two cars. Yeah. You had to hop into right. a whole other car because they couldn't... Oh, man. Yeah, because they couldn't have a battery that would mm-hmm. make it even half the length of the race. And so now, you know, they're, they're figuring out the, the car is getting faster, the, mm-hmm. you know, all those sorts of things. It's getting better, but it's not... It, Formula E is not Formula One. I, I thought I came in here with an opinion on this today. And this is the same way with most of these podcasts, when it's about something that's not race car related. I come in here and change my mind several times over the course of the podcast. This one in particular, it, it's something that I was initially like not that in favor of, but then like researching it more, learning, hearing more about what it was. It's like what it is now doesn't make a lot of sense. And even to a certain extent, what Formula One is trying to do with it borderline almost doesn't make a lot of sense but like now that the technology is there it's like thinking ahead like a handful of years or or you know so many years of development it's like well it it might be really inefficient now but if they could find a way to make it more efficient all of a sudden like maybe this takes a lot of the stress out of trying to make this big paradigm shift quickly away which makes it so that again like it just it's it's not so stressful there's not such a big a big change that is required from so many of us so quickly so that we can like wait for better battery technology to come out wait for battery technology to come out where it doesn't require so many rare earth minerals which is i mean they've kind of figured those batteries out but they can't they haven't been able to mass produce them it's a matter of time though i mean that that solution's coming but right so their means of conveyance to most people and if you ask a person what's your opinion on alternative fuels hybrids electric vehicles normal gasoline they would say well i guess gas is bad right but it seems like there's not that much electric vehicle charging i hear that's really bad and that's all they would know or care sure so sure. they don't care that's that's you know what what well okay so what this are we, is what we're trying to solve here still right. with synthetic fuels other than I want to hear motor go boom. Well, to me, again, it's just, one, let us buy it a little bit more time so that we can come up with a better electric solution. Like, the, the, it will, because of all the money that's been invested, like, right now, today, 2023, versus probably 2026, 2027, the, the, the advantages that an electric car are going to have in that short three- to four-year time window are going to be, I think, pretty significant. Once once we get into this next generation of batteries, um, that's where all of a sudden, like, charging is going to be faster, the range is going to be better, and the cost should be much more in line with what 
you know, me in in my brain thinks of as a as a cost for cost range for a reasonable cost price range for a car, which is you know twenty five to thirty five thousand dollars, which, which right now almost doesn't exist. Don't get a Forester, yeah. you can't get barely get a Forester for that, right? Right, right. Barely. even That's... those, yeah. But um, the thing that that comes to my mind when you say that, Tasso, is let's go back to relevance, right? Because if the majority of people that are are buying and using cars, like fun is really not on their mind or whatever and and racing though though it is kind of having a comeback um ironically spurned by formula one due to <coughs> excuse me drive to survive on netflix yeah right people are now realizing how much drama there really is mm-hmm. around racing even if the racing like the passing isn't that exciting. It's like, well, but at the end of the season, when Drive to Survive comes out, now you can hear about all the stuff that's going on on the background. That's what's now focused people's attention. Mm-hmm. Is it relevant, and does it have to be relevant for, or what is, how important is just racing in general to be relevant for car manufacturers to make the cars, or for us as enthusiasts mm-hmm. to be able to go out there and build the cars? I guess the short answer is, if we like to do it, maybe probably it doesn't have to be relevant. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, my car, 2004 Forester, like, it's like, well, why don't you buy a new one? Well, because I like this one. Yeah. I put my money, sweat, tears, and other people's sweat, tears, and blood into it. Yeah. Make it where I do enjoy driving it. So it's like, maybe that's just enough to keep it to me. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't want a new one because this one is mine. Right. And that's kind of like our whole, you know, as far as I know, our cadre of friends and associates are all people in that same boat, like, you know, this one is mine. There are many like it, but I made this one the way I wanted it. Right. So I want to keep it that way. I don't want to buy into a. Uh, yeah, there's there's years thing. of refinement to get it to the point where like this is now, <laughs> this is now it, now it's done. It's perfect, which is which is a lie. It's never done. Yes, yeah, so perfect. Years of refinement but, so it can sit in my garage and I can drive my eleven Prius to work every day. But mm-hmm. right, there there was a there was a minute there, and it it lasted longer than I kind of I guess I would have expected in the moment. Where ethanol was the solution. The, the problem was is that you know you're depending on a plant to grow in a, a crop that could be harvested to make it, and and like they finally got to this point where they, they were trying, uh, like the whole switchgrass thing, like to find a, a crop that could be used to create it, but that didn't take as long and that could be harvested more than you know, basically once a year or, or once per growing season or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's that algae that there was that they figured out they could get it to, to produce ethanol but they just couldn't do it in scale they couldn't do it in, mm-hmm. in with them in a way to, to make it so that you you could produce lots and lots of it so so you've got your the race car that you're building which is on an older chassis the, mm-hmm. the track car daily driver what what whatever you want to call it that's another <laughs> older chassis yeah do you see any point down the road where like do you see any point down the road where if you need another track car if you need another race car that you're not going to look at something that you know, that, that you already been through and know all of the tricks and, and the stuff to build and would instead look to something that you've not done before? I would, and I have, Okay, is the short answer. Okay. Um, I balance two things constantly. I enjoy this, and it's not my job, right. so I want to do what I enjoy, but what I enjoy as much as anything else is winning, not just mm. participating. So... 
so we're, we're where it would have a production or a, a competition advantage. Right. Oh, so this is back to where you this said like for, for the hill climb. Uh -oh. Like all of a sudden you started to realize that for a hill climb environment there would be an advantage to a, an electric car potentially. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, I don't want to commit to anything I ever say. So okay. take all this with a grain of salt, internet. Okay. If there was a cost-effective drop-in electric power, electrification option for the hill climb car, I think Oh. So, like, if you could There's drop more in that Tesla. goes into it, though. Yeah. Okay. Because, and the GD chassis, like I said, is the last Subaru sports car. Mm-hmm. Everything since then has been a global platform compromise. Okay. I'm allowed to piss people off with my own opinion. That's fine. And my opinion is mine. Yeah. And there's not been a sports Subaru since 2007. Okay. Um, okay. So there's a lot that goes into the chassis other than just the powertrain. And that's a lot of what went into ultimately deciding on a GD, other mm. than I found one for 300 bucks. <laughs> Dang. Um, well, was that was a and struts all around. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever I know that yeah. one's not technically, but not multi-link, yep. um, like the yep. later cars. Um, the size of the vehicle, the weight of the vehicle, the inherent chassis stiffness, all that stuff went into that decision as well. Sure. If there was a modern ESTIE thing right. that had good gravel suspension, good chassis, it was light, it was cheap, yeah, totally, I would consider that car. Yeah. Now, that being said, again... Hill climbing being my kind of chosen motorsport here yeah. um, for a number of reasons, which go back about a hundred podcasts and you'll mm -hmm. you'll hear about why. Electric doesn't make sense, I don't think, for something like stage rally yet. So if right. I stuck with stage rally, I probably couldn't have stuck with ethanol either. Right. Because um, even just like the mileage, the transits, and you have fueling. Correct. Yeah. For the same reasons, yeah. right? So so for the same yeah. reasons, electricity wouldn't work for that. Ethanol also didn't really work for that yeah. because of the volume of fuel you have to carry in order yeah. to make a full stage loop at speed and yeah. try and keep and a car cool yeah. so you're not like running super lean and stuff like that to, yeah. to try and make mileage. Because um, I make a mile to the gallon right now and I'm getting a slightly worse mileage than a stage rally car would because mm -hmm. I make you know, another one or 200 horsepower horse yeah. more than them, right? So you would have the same limitations. So to that end... Mm -hmm. synthetic fuels all day so well, it, and, and what if what if they could figure out synthetic fuels so that maybe it wasn't the same price as pump gas but it's the same price as race gas sure it's yeah. like, like man, but and i'll tell you what race gas has gone up it the is the price and knock resistance brutal. aren't the only factors in choosing race gas it's also the smell yes race okay. gas smells oh, great True. and the race gas exhaust smells great 100 percent. so they need to make the synthetic fuel smell like race gas too and for those of you want, listening or watching at home th there are actual race gas candles out there oh yeah it's, it's a thing yeah, that's a thing my yeah. i run e98 right now in the race car or yeah. in the last car did up till its death and the yeah. new car will as well it smells you know when COVID happened <laughs> Back and in the day, yeah. Everybody yeah. that used to do other stuff started just cranking out hand sanitizer in their factories. Right. And there was that cheap, horrible alcohol smell and a lot of like the yeah. COVID surge hand sanitizer. Yeah. It's what E98 smells like. <laughs> and so so that that, that so, has a place in your heart? Oh, I guess oh. it does, right? I mean shit, has anyone smelled synthetic gas? I wonder what hmm. I have no idea. This is maybe a yeah, factor. This may be the tiebreaker factor. I mean, if, the, if they're making the rest here. of it, can't they put a scent into it? They have to. Right, it's not the gasoline well, in race gas that smells that way. It's the right. additives, right? Right, so. yeah. Yeah, they have to be able to do that. Well, what I was going to say, though, I mean, if, <laughs> if they get it to the point where, you know, 10 years down the road, you can still run stage rally with, you know, these vintage stage rally cars because 
synthetic fuel is available, yeah. well then, I mean, if that keeps these vintage motorsports going, I mean, there's there's a value there too. Yeah. So what, for conversation, what is an analog for that right now? An analog to like leaded gases for early race cars. I was just gonna yeah. say like, like leaded gas or leaded additives. So there, they, a lot of guys yeah. like you're not supposed to do this. So no one actually does this. Don't do but this. But there are people that go and get avgas um, right. from the airport to run in their internal combustion engines that aren't airplanes. Um, right. Because of knock resistance and price too, it's a lot right. cheaper than race gas. Right. Um, I don't know anyone currently is doing that. But, but, but actually, I don't know anyone currently is doing it. <laughs> but, but I knew some people at one point that did. Um, well, and it, it almost brings it back to that question of relevance. Like, if you had to do something that extreme to still do the motorsport, and, and to a certain extent, I mean, how many people are out there racing a car that actually has to, has to run leaded gasoline? Very few, it, right? In, in any kind of, like... Yeah, they're doing parade laps at Goodwood, yeah. right? Like a lot not... of it is just vintage cars. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that they were built and they were they were designed. I think of a couple thrown. people that do run them, like you know, supercharged flathead V8s and things like that. that right, but it's just but it's, it's not yeah, for it's competition. This much of a market, you know. But, but then, it's then super cool. next generation of that is stuff like toluene and yep. stuff, right? Where yeah. it's another gnarly ass chemical that's obviously Don't not do that good either. for the environment. Don't do that either. Yeah, yeah it gives you cancer immediately. I guess. Yeah. Right, you walk by. Um, um, yeah. But again, uh, yeah. that's why those Formula One cars from the '80s looked and ran so awesome was because they had right literal cancer stopping not from happening. Um, but but then does that answer the question of relevance? Of why why it's important to have the race cars be just tangential to what we are all driving and using? Because that's what keeps the interest and that's what keeps the development going into the sport. And if it if it is not relevant anymore then that's where it just it would kind of go way into the I think into the shadows. What needs to happen is Netflix makes it needs to make Drive to Survive for Formula E. And if it's just as well received. No. No. Nope. Netflix yep. needs to make Drive to Survive <laughs> for grassroots motorsports. Well yeah, uh, that's what I want. But for this experiment, they need to make yeah. Drive to Survive for Formula E. And if it's just as well received, then we don't need synthetic fuels because we're irrelevant dinosaurs. And people just want to see drama. Okay. They don't care what powers the cars. I think it's I think it's the story behind it. And in to me, like Netflix, because I'm sure that they're listening and watching, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Netflix, this is for you. Like, there's so much more story and struggle and drama for grassroots motorsports compared to Formula One. I mean, yes, there's drama there too, but like guys that are doing this because they love to do it and they're doing it in their spare time versus guys that are getting paid like very large paychecks to do this there, there's there's a whole different different set of set of drama there and story there and the, the other cool thing Netflix for, for you listening for the for the grassroots side of it is that's an interesting and compelling story that is much more attainable you know, like when you're watching Formula One drivers, you're, you're watching, you know, arguably probably 10 to 15 of the best drivers on the planet compete. Yeah. Yes, I know that there's 20, but 10 to 15 of the best drivers out there. And hmm. then, like, but that's it. Like, how many of us are those 10 to 15 people? Almost none. But, like, for grassroots guys, I mean, there's a lot of grassroots guys that you don't have to be the best driver if you can figure out the solution, if you can 
run enough seasons to know what you have to do to keep your car reliable. You know, figure out what is actually really the most important part or aspect of performance of this car in this racing uh, series so that you can actually, you know, get an edge and, and win. Like, there's, that's all so much more attainable than what Formula One is to most of us. I forgot. The person we should be trying to get in bed is Bezos. Okay. Um, our Lord and Savior. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Because he is going to run this show, so whatever he puts his money in is going to be. So he, what we need to do is convince. Yet. Well, yeah, I'm sure he does. Um, we right. just don't know. Yeah. He just invented someone else to own another company. Oh boy. Um, he's Tesla's dad. Um, <laughs> oh boy. We're way off the deep end. I'm this sorry. Is, yeah. I, this I is not off the rails. I just abandoned yeah. literally all of religion. <laughs> Yes. I don't know. I got That's okay. Um, but, <sighs> well, but I mean, it's like... Amazon Prime, whichever yeah. one they back. Okay. This is going to be a real weird tangent. Yeah. Here, <laughs> in the movie Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Did not see that coming. Okay. When All right. They're walking through a field at some point, and Sandusky, or whatever his character's name, um, the guy from This Is The End, that movie, when that guy's walking along talking about how... Blu-ray one over HD DVD, and it was all about which one porn backed, and oh. that's why it won. Okay. Reference to that movie. Okay. Now at this point, whichever one Amazon Prime, so this is what, which okay. is the porn of capitalism. But ironically, Amazon also has a huge distribution network, so it actually could come at it, it from like a trucking and distribution. Yeah, yeah, exactly. logistics. They're the same thing so, now. So literally, it's ship. Amazon is shipping logistics, plus they have the streaming service, where they and they don't have a racing mm-hmm. series. So, yet. I think Amazon we have practice. Prime. All right, Prime Netflix. Video. Netflix, this is not for you. Yeah. Um, Amazon and Jeff Netflix. Bezos, forget it. Amazon, the way you're going to compete with Netflix <laughs> and Drive to Survive is you're going to come out with your own series for grassroots for motorsports, grassroots motorsports because the main thing we do other than tow to races is make cool motor noises yes. yes so we want synthetic yes. fuels yes and so amazon prime please sir yes sponsor me <laughs> <laughs> yes know. yes i don't know man still make yes. hay for horses which are the cars of yesteryear so why can't we keep making gasoline for cars which are the cars of today yesteryear wait a minute if we could find a way to take hay and convert it into fuel or horses. For horses. <laughs> no. no. Or, or horses. Or horses. <laughs> the, the, no, no. Hey. The cart Pissed off cowboys. For the horse people now. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah. Well, but, you know, to a certain extent, like what you saw with catalytic converters, mm-hmm. where, where everything got crazy expensive with catalytic converters, and then so people started stealing the catalytic converters, then you have a car that has one that gets stolen. Now what do you do? That's, that's kind of like... Like, what I wonder is, is that the five to ten year future that we have if you have an internal combustion, especially an internal combustion engine race car? Is it something where gradually, but at an accelerated rate over the next five to ten years, is it going to be something where you're either going to have to spend exorbitant amounts of money to even go out and use this thing, which is going to make it so that next to nobody does? Well, um, horses. Or, yeah, I mean, but it's... I mean, you're going to have little pockets of rich people that play with their toys. Right. But then what, is, what does that do for the enthusiast base now? Limits it. Limits it. Changes it. Mm-hmm. Arguably, it's already limited. It just limits it further, right? So you got to figure that most people that take a car and turn it into a race car, most people don't do it with a brand new car. Most people are starting with a car that's like, say, five to seven years old. There, there's, a, there's a gap where there's just 
like the number, the amount of cars, even that are choices out there in the last two to three years is pretty small. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to build a race car or a track car, and it's only getting smaller. And there's the, I mean, there, there's that new legislation where they're going to do the crazy emission standards by 2032. That car manufacturers, I mean, 2032, that's eight, basically eight years away, and they probably need four to five years to ramp up to that. So, like, they're not, I mean, I would, I would say that there's a possibility that, like, really, like, a, a platform that you could take right now and turn into a race car that would be exciting as an enthusiast, we might have two to three years left, and that might be... That might be it, unless somehow there's some hybrid something that they can get through um, in those next handful of years that that would have some potential for a rally car. For but it still brings up what a race car or what a fun car is to drive, and it's a thing that I mean, we've been saying for a long time: emission standards restrict power, but not handling necessarily, right? Like it's. Yeah. I think well, Abby's Crosstrek. For as slow as a first generation, whatever Crosstrek is, is a great car to drive. I love mm. driving it. Mm. Um, it has decent vehicle dynamics. It just doesn't have the get up and go. And it's even fine. It's probably yeah. faster than a Miata in right. stock form. Oh, no. right? Miata guys are after you. Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. They have to catch you. I haven't pissed off. Yeah. I, I'm trying to find every little niche that I haven't pissed off yet and right. catch catch them as well. Um, well, so, so but, but where are you going with this? The fact that like our per- our perceptions have to shift our perceptions will shift to what what is what is a most an of the most car. fun cars i've had to drive ever driven could have been no i'm gonna take that back i was gonna say they could have been emissions legal i'm gonna take that back they don't need to be big fire breathing monsters in order to be fun there's fun in power yeah but it is the tactile it, it's the whole package it it isn't it's like, a driver engagement as, to the car. As yeah. long as, if, if you're just driving the car by yourself, it doesn't matter to a certain extent how fast it is. Because if you hit the go pedal and the car goes mm-hmm. to the point where you're just like, ah, this is fun, that's all that matters. Yeah. That's all that matters in that moment. And so if you have the steering input, the, 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 the chassis mechanics, the feel of the car where, where it turns, it handles and stuff, in that moment, in that scenario, that's, that's where you get attached to the car. Yeah. And I think to, to a large extent, a lot of us, like, this is where this is where the Subarus grab us, right? Mm-hmm. You have this car that you're just driving into work. You're not, it's not on a racetrack. You're not comparing it necessarily to any of the other cars around. But when you, when you give it the beans or you turn it into a corner or it's snowing and you're just like, you're, you're going and, and you're having the greatest old time and you're watching all these, you know, Camrys and Corollas and, and things just like go into the ditch. You're like, this is the most amazing car ever. How could I ever drive anything else? That's that's where it grabs you, but then now, so much of that mentality for the majority of, of people that drive cars, I think, is just is switched to just the straight acceleration. Yeah, look at Mopars. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Thousand plus horsepower. Well, drag racing. Drag racing is a huge thing. There's a huge motorsports fan base for drag racing, but yeah. it's just acceleration in a straight line. It, yeah. It's that is the only part of that discipline, but yeah. but it grabs people. And, and it's, it's, I think, more people are grabbed by that than ever before. So the thing, though, is that I think the largest threat to, or a larger than electrification threat to the automotive enthusiast 
is self-driving cars. 100%. Yeah. Um, because soon it will be, are you insane, you madman? How are you going to be able to take responsibility for killing that kid? Even well, though you will likely not go kill a kid. Well, but, but even even time. if they can't figure out autonomous driving, the, the problem is the car manufacturers think that that's what everybody wants. So they've put all their development dollars into getting the car to drive itself. And if the car can drive itself and you're just sitting in it, now it doesn't matter what the driver experience is of driving the car. This is where like there's so many of these electric cars that have, like, like a Tesla Perfect example. The interior is designed to be like this comfortable and, and nice space to be in. It's not, as, it's not about the driver because right. their whole goal is to make the car drive itself. So now they're trying to optimize the space so that you're like, you're, you're looking at that vehicle thinking even just about your commute. Like, well, I have to commute 30 minutes each way to and from work every day. I want to use this car because in this space, you know, I can, I can you know, read the paper, watch a movie, play a video game, you know, echo fart sounds around the car, whatever. Whatever it is about being in that space, then now that you're buying the car because of the space that you're in, it has nothing to do with the driving experience. Yeah. Well, I think soon we'll have to. Well, soon I think well, I don't know about that soon. At some point, the liability of driving your own vehicle will not be sustainable. I I don't think so. I think the liability of having the car drive itself is going to be unsustainable, and that's why it's all going to go away. But mm-hmm. the problem is, is that they put so many car manufacturers have put so much energy into that direction because. They thought once Tesla started really aggressively moving into that space and then everybody was talking about how cool that was, they decided, oh, that's actually what people want now. They don't want a car that is a great driving car. They don't want a car that weighs... Well, most people do want that, though, I think. Most people want to not have to go to work. But if they have to, they want to make it not their problem. Mm. Well, no, they don't want to drive to work. And if they do have to drive to work, they, just, they want to be able to send be a passenger instead of be actually engaged mm-hmm. with driving. But also not have to have like a taxi driver or something like that. Right. Because then they have to interact with somebody. To a certain extent, I think that there's not enough people that really prioritize driving. Like they, people, driving is a bit of a blind spot for people because it's so easy, relatively speaking, for most of us to do it that like once you become capable of driving to and from work from point A to point B without having an issue, that it's all right, then that's it. And and it's not something that we can, most people continue to refine. To a certain extent, like for, for motorsports enthusiasts, that's the driving force there is like, I, I know that I can do this but there's a whole another level of doing this thing that I really want to I want to try and figure out, and try and get better at. I mean, if, if like you know, this is well, if if you want uh, the saying in motorsports is if you want to win, get a fin, and it's because in Finland, like the the requirements for getting a driver's license and stuff like that are so much more strict and involved. There's so much more skill that you have to demonstrate that you have before you can get the driver's license because of, you know, how much potential of risk there is on the roads. Like, they realize, well, hey, you've got to, we have to raise the standards. We can't just give driver's license out to everybody. And so then those those people that put in that effort and that energy, they become better drivers. But there's, you know, you, it's really hard at this point to convince somebody that this thing that you, you can do and have successfully done like, well, there you could do it better, and you could if you put more energy into driving, you could become a better driver. You know, but 
if, if, if we could get more people to put energy into driving, then maybe there'd be more of an enthusiast base. There'd be more of a motivation to use those skills and hone those skills. Yeah. And then, and then we wouldn't have to worry about hiring lawyers to defend us for driving. This maybe? is true. I want to circle back because that's what I like to do is kind of re 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 revisit the thing we already have beaten the horse till it's glue. <laughs> but with the emission standards tightening and all that, improving the driving, like itself, the actual sensation of driving. I remember a while back I autocrossed a Lotus Elise, mm -hmm. and that was like the best driving car I had driven. Hmm. A one eight Toyota engine. Yeah. So I mean, nothing crazy. Not any you know fire breathing snorting monster. Like hundred some horsepower, but so mechanical. I was mm -hmm. you were a part of that car and that driving experience from yeah. the time you were in it to the time I had to park it. It was like just a hoot, and it was only like you know just a couple of gears, and low speed. But good night. It was like everything I wanted it to be. Yeah. I mean, then I hopped into my modified Forester and I was like, this thing goes really fast in a straight line, but it doesn't handle nearly as well as right. that Lotus did. And so maybe that's where we need to shift, like what we do. Yeah. Is you know like you know with like the twenty two you know you know hey I can't yeah. do this because instead of bolt offs bolt offs. Yeah, right. it's like two piece <laughs> brakes and like you know sway bars and coilovers and right. lighter wheels, chassis bracing things of that nature. <laughs> that you know you could still do some of these things to get the feel right i mean yeah. like it's going to feel you know even like the electric racks you know they could still have some of that yeah. simulation of the road yeah but if you change the dynamics of the car to feel like you're going fast like you well, don't have to drive crazy or yeah. you know insane to have a great time i mean like i mentioned you know my 90 horsepower prius and i drive 42 miles I have a ball. I found yeah. like twisty roads and it's yeah. fun to drive a slow car at the speed limit, you know, through the corners because, you know, yeah. I don't, you know, you don't slow down as much because I've somewhat honed my, you know, my craft as driving. To, it, there's, know. there's a drive. It, it doesn't even matter if it's quick or not. It's, mm -hmm. it's the experience. Like you yeah. found a way to appreciate the experience with with the car that you have yeah. and and that's where like the electric cars i think there's so many of them that are pulling the driver experience away like what what's interesting to me is that porsche is one of the only ones thus far that has really aggressively come out and said like they're prioritizing the experience behind the electric motivation so like it, yes it's an electric car but it still feels like a porsche but they're they're one of the only manufacturers that really has pr prioritized that but it's like that's that's where it's that's what I, that's what my biggest fear is that it's going to end up being missing with all these electric cars is that it's they're they're not designed with the driver in mind, they're big heavy cars anyway because of the batteries. Yeah, and they're they're just not designed to be fun cars to drive. And if if they're not fun cars to drive, then there's not going to be an enthusiast base that is, um, that is that is connected to it. Hundred percent. I would rather drive though an electric car, with. A nice quick rack with low boost, on you know like manual brakes, not power mm -hmm. brakes, a decent set of tires, nice suspension than I would an internal combustion car with an automatic transmission and a heavily boosted rack with a nice slow ratio right. And, right. and whatever. Like it's, I don't think the electrification is the problem there. Exactly. Well, yeah. it's it's the the design mentality that's going into the electric car platform it, it's because because 
none of these car manufacturers are building electric cars for the enthusiast except for something like the Taycan. But they're not making internal combustion cars for the enthusiasts either. Cars aren't for the enthusiasts for right. some time. Well, it's I because think, right? we're in this we're in this like transitional phase where they realize a lot of car manufacturers, not all. It sounds like now pretty much all of them have realized they've got to put all their eggs in the electric basket. Mm-hmm. A decent number of car manufacturers realized, well, we have to start thinking about hybrids or electrics maybe three or four years ago, and that's where like right now we're in this pocket where like these enthusiast chassis have just dried up. Mm-hmm. I mean, if like right now, if you could find one. I mean, you've got, like, BMW is still making the M cars. Toyota's got the Supra and the GR Corolla. The M car. Um, yeah. Um, Subaru, the WRX, I think it still fits there. I think it has a place in the enthusiast base, the, the WRX. I think there's there's a potential for Subaru to make it even better, which we've talked about. But I think it, it still holds into that. I mean, Porsche is still making those cars. There's still the Corvette. I mean, really, like, the but attainable sports car right now, I think would, if, like, a true, true sports car from that sense would probably be the GR Corolla at 35, if you could find one, which you probably can't. Or, I mean, BRZ. Yeah. BRZ at 32 is, I mean, that is a sports sure. car, and it is attainable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fine. But, but it's like, or, or the Miata. Which is like either you like it or you don't, but it's it's, they're still yeah. out there. Yep. Same shit. But it's like when when you've only got three flavors to choose from, then that's what that's what makes it difficult. Yeah. And then that's where you start looking at okay, well, what was what was it like? What what can I look at that's five to ten years old, that maybe maybe scratches more of that itch because there were more of those cars made back then than there are being currently. Yeah. And again, I just I really feel like we're in this black hole where a lot of the enthusiast cars, the manufacturers have just stop production of they're not probably putting any R&D dollars into the next generation of like do you think that there's going to be a next generation of the current Supra I don't know Depends probably not market research right, right. probably be electric well right is the Mustang like this... Mach-E a Mustang Ford Escape is a Mustang yes. almost yeah almost certainly not is the Eclipse oh that poor thing Look what they did is to it, my boy. Is it an eclipse? I mean, it's Mitsubishi? I mean, By it's definition, it is, right? Yeah, it's an outlander, I think. Okay. Oh, seriously, like, is the C8 Corvette still a Corvette because it's mid-engine and all that jazz? Mm. Is the C5 still a Corvette because it's not transverse leaf anymore in the back? The Corvette question, I think, I think is the most interesting one. Because yeah, it is it. so different now, <laughs> and, I, and I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not really driven any of them, so I couldn't tell you where I, where I land on that. But when you think about it, a color that you nostalgically attached to, it doesn't matter that it's older, older and shittier. It's just you have a connection with that car for some reason. Yeah. Like I still love my Bug IWR. I've ridden in a C7 Z06, and it was really fast yeah. as a spaceship. Yeah. Right. Like well, it, it's a spaceship. It's got it's a spaceship. air-conditioned seats. What? Yeah. This isn't a sports car. Right. This is a cruise liner. Like, right. That's how I felt about the C6 Z06 I ran around Bikes Peak. Is it was a spaceship. That thing was humongous. Yeah. Heads up display and all the crazy crap in it. Yep. But that had like you know, the big you know, had a hood spot. Yeah. And it was. Yeah, sure. And I mean, it handled well. And it was. I had a, a buddy a, in high school whose dad had a C6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really, really. It's an automatic too. It was really fast. <laughs> sure. It got that. Um, you know, but it was gigantic. It rode like a boat. Yeah, it's a barge, right? It's a barge. It's a powerful barge. 
if there to, were synthetic fuels, me, would there still be sports cars? Ooh. It's not what's hanging up sports cars. No, it's true. But it, I think I, if, it's it's the connection, right? Yeah. It's a uh, NTSB rollover protection standards in the mid '90s that made your pillars this wide instead of this wide. Mm. And now your car looks like junk. They're all just they all A, B, A, B, and C pillars cruising down the road instead of right. beautiful flowing lines and, and this well, and, that, and whatever. And from an aerodynamic standpoint, yeah. it's really homologized. And, yeah, well, windshield, brake angle. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So we need to get people to like realize that maybe motorsports is relevant because it's exciting, but it's not formula motorsports. And it's it makes cars, cars that different. look like cars, cars, like, you know, like normal cars. Mm. During car racing? You know. Something, you know, something quite like, you know, if it was like a stock car type racing, has that been a thing? That's not that would never t- that's that's ridiculous. There's no there's no way people would ever get excited about oh just a stock car, stock looking car out on a racetrack. That, that would just, never sorry, take off. That's, I, I, it must be the, that's the just race stuff. Catch that has got me. That has nothing to do with it. Even pissed off NASCAR, yet, have we? I think we just did. Ironically, of all of the groups cool that we could piss cars. off, the, the yeah. one that I'm least worried about is NASCAR. Wow. They're they're on the way down too. They're on the way down too. They're people people well, they, they figured out with gimmicks to try and make your race more exciting. To yeah, they're gonna throw a pie at the windshield. Right. Yeah. You know what? What if instead of only making lefts, you threw in a right? Oh no, no. You you cannot. I tried that and it's not where it's at. And NASCAR is this thing. It's like drag racing. Like it's not for me. I appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, it's got its right. It's That's got a fine, right? But again, it's not stock car racing, mm-hmm. and it's not fuel issues that have made that that way it's car manufacturers that have forced that hand a bit right like it's well i don't know the the, the politics behind why nascar is now a tube te- tube chassis spaceship i don't think it's the finite nature of fossil fuels that has made car racing bad or the lack of sports cars since 2007 happen that went that went places I did not expect it to go. Yeah, I guess. So so to everyone listening at home, thank you. Um, sorry, um, but thank you more than anything for listening. Yeah. Let us know what you think in the comments. What do you think of synthetic fuel, mm. and what do you think of how important relevance is to racing? Does does racing have to be relevant for it to be relevant? Does racing have to be relevant? Yeah, uh, racing is not relevant. Can it just be fun and, you know, personal? But thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Until next time, as always, stay tuned to Flatirons Tuning. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Flatirons Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. Once again, we'd like to let you know that your support is what makes this show possible. Be sure to check out our online store at flatironstuning.com for any of your aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts needs. And as always, stay tuned with Flatirons Tuning.